Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we review movies that we love, some of which are critically acclaimed, some not so much. I would say there's no dispute about the acclaim for this movie. It is the number 35 ranked film of all time on IMDb. It is a Best Picture winner. It won an Oscar for Best Director. And I'm really excited to be talking about it. Joining me for the first time since we covered Halloween a few months ago, Don Jordan and Brandon Lipke. What is up, my friends? Good to have you back. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be back. All right. Good to have you. Glad to be talking about this. For sure. All right. So let's get into this. The Departed 2006. I saw a meme recently and it said something to the effect of, I have nothing less in common with the person who wrote my Facebook statuses 10 years ago. And that was really appropriate because I might be aging myself here, but there was a time where you could put a profile quote on your Facebook page and mine for like eight years was, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy, <laughs> which is one of Mark Wahlberg's quotes in this movie. And if I wasn't going to have that quote, I could probably use like 30 different quotes from this film because it's just every scene is memorable. Every line is not a throwaway line. It's very quotable movie. When this came out and I started hearing about it around 2005, I really wasn't like a super film nerd like I am now. I was kind of a, a casual film goer. So I really had no awareness of anything that Martin Scorsese did from after Casino until this. So when I first started reading about he's doing a film about the Irish mafia with DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, and fucking Jack Nicholson. I'm like, yeah, just inject this right into my veins. I must have seen this like five or six times when it first came out. And then it would just be like one of those movies that was always on cable. Like I'd go, I'd fall asleep with the NBA on TNT and then I'd wake up at like three 30 in the morning to Jack Nicholson, giving the Chinese people fake microprocessors. And I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm not going back to sleep in, until this is over. And before we decide, Don, you and I were talking uh, before we started recording had it had been a few years since I've seen this, but I watched it twice this week to get ready for the show. And even at like two and a half hours, I, I watched this twice and I was never bored, never looking at my clock. This is still like an absolute banger, just close to a perfect movie. Glad to be talking about it with both of you. Don, why do you like this movie? Uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. It's like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a tight movie. It doesn't feel like two and a half hours. It goes quick. I mean, there's so much tension throughout the movie. Um, you know, we have just, some amazing performances from people sort of at, at the top of their game. And then we have, you know, played off uh, absolute legend in Jack Nicholson and just, you know, just queuing up the scenes. And I, I love watch watching him and, you know, just seeing all these actors play off each other. And like you said, it's, it's so quotable. I, I wrote that quote down to the, the one you mentioned as your, uh, as your away message is, is one of my favorites. Um, it's actually, I think maybe the one quote I wrote down in my, all my notes here. So that's hilarious. You mentioned that. Um, and I, you know, well, we can talk about Mark Wahlberg later because I feel, I feel like we're going to probably talk about him a little For sure. bit. Um, yeah, I, I saw, so this movie came out in 2006. This was like, right as I was graduating college and um, this, so not to get too nerdy, but I, I'd like, taken a couple classes in college where we had looked at different directors and one of them was Scorsese. And so like, 
you know, I just, I kind of like lucked into this. I, I, I took these classes on a whim and um, I got to watch some really cool movies that like, I, you know, we got to look at like mean streets and, 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 and taxi driver and, um, and Goodfellas and some other movies in this one class. And I was like, wow, this is like so cool. It introduced me to movies. Um, and be, before I really knew much about movies or how to like look at movies and watch them in a different lens. And so this movie kind of came out at the right time for me. Um, I remember watching it. Yeah. Just like you said, five, six times. I, I loved it. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many good things we could talk about all the different actors, but I, I'm sure we'll get into it. I, I'll let Brandon say what he has to say. For sure. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about the actors, Scorsese. Brandon, why do you like this movie? Um, well, just like Don said, I mean, it came out in 2006. And for me, it, that was like peak movie theater going time uh, in my 20s. Like you'd uh, spend the weekend in bars and, you know, clubs, hang out. But, you know, Monday through Thursday, um, if you had an evening free, it was go to the theater. And this year, 2006, I mean, it had a lot of great movies that came out. Um, and it, uh, you said it did win for best picture and best director. Um, I'll probably talk about that a little later because uh, Scorsese and Eastwood were going back and forth for a few years. Um, and I think, what was it this year? He had uh, Eastwood had uh, letters from Iwo Jima. Yep. that was going for it. And uh, he ended up losing both, but in 04, he won, uh, director and picture for million dollar baby and it beat out Scorsese's aviator. So, um, but, uh, yeah, this movie, um, other than the classic Scorsese feel to the storyline and what he brings in, uh, especially with his directing skill and the cinematography, um, it's also, especially in the plot, um, it's very rare, uh, that you get, um, how did he put it? Two sides of the same coin. Not only do you have one rat in one organization, but you have another rat. So um, that part of the plot itself is very appealing. Uh, it's very original. Um, so getting uh, that little bit of suspense in with the storyline mixed in with Scorsese's violence and gore. And, um, I think I wrote a note that... Uh, Nicholson was allowed to improvise a lot of his scenes. And if you were to watch this movie for the first time, you would notice that um, he uh, pretty much degrades or denigrates uh, pretty much every race person in his dialogue that he meets in Boston. So a lot of uh, a lot of racial slurs. And I'm confused whether or not those were in the script originally or they just let Jack go with it. We're, we're definitely going to talk more when we do scenes yeah. because like a couple of the scenes I have listed, it, I'm just, I think I didn't, I maybe didn't notice until like I became a little more versed in films and, and I'm like, yeah, this wasn't in the script. Jack Nicholson is just kind of like going off the rails and Scorsese's like, yeah, whatever, do your thing. <laughs> Did you guys ever see, this is based off, this is an American remake of a movie called Infernal Affairs from 2002 i believe it was japanese i i knew that going in but i didn't really never really looked into it tried to check the look for this on a streaming service and it, it wasn't there and either of you seen either of you guys see this movie uh no no okay i would like to at some point but it, yeah not super accessible 
let's talk about Scorsese. This is this is the first time on the show that we've covered him. And I guess to like, we talked about casual film fans. I guess to a lot of those people, he's just the guy who does gangster movies. You think of this, Goodfellas, Casino. But one of the things I admire him about him the most is that he like tries so many different types of things and his filmography is so diverse and some of it doesn't work for everyone. Frankly, some of it doesn't work for me, but I'm never bored by anything he does. Obviously there's all the mainstream films, like the three I just mentioned there, Don, you had mentioned raging bull, taxi driver, Wolf of Wall Street is probably another one that a lot of people like. There's like lesser known films that I like of his, The King of Comedy, Bringing Out the Dead with Nick Cage, uh, Cape Fear, Gangs of New York. And then there's some like I didn't really care for, like The Aviator. Don mentioned that that was one. I was just like, all right, this is really long. And, you know, I know a lot of people do like it, but that one wasn't necessarily one that worked for me. And as we, but as we sit here in April, 2023, one of the most anticipated movies of this year is Killers of the Flower Moon with Robert De Niro, Leo DiCaprio. He's got the whole gang back together for like, I think it's like three hours and 45 minutes. So strap in for that, but, but I'll be there. And he's just one of the biggest directors on the planet for the last 50 years. And I'm a hundred percent in on anything he does in the past and in the future. Don, any thoughts on Scorsese? Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think it's because um, of how he was introduced to me, luckily, um, by people who knew a lot about film and, and could kind of show me um, how to interpret his, his movies and, you know, seeing Taxi Driver at a young age and, and understanding the character tra- of, of Travis Bickle and, 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 and understanding that character at a deeper level and and then just just seeing some of the movies that he's created from that time. I mean, one thing you know, one and and I will say he's made one, one thing you didn't mention about him. He's made a ton of documentaries too. Oh yeah, and music right. videos. Right, and I I haven't really gone down that 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 road because he kind of I would say he kind of covers like a lot of boomer era <laughs> musicians <laughs> that are just like not really my thing, but. Um, I mean, I he he just works with some of the the greatest actors. I mean, when you think about like De Niro and you know, obviously DiCaprio. And I know you've covered a ton of DiCaprio movies um, on the podcast. Who I think is maybe like the greatest actor of of sort of our generation. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. I think that movie coming out uh, this year. I, that's probably my most like look forward to movie this year. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a little different for him. It does deal with sort of like organized crime and, um, but it's like a period piece. I know he's done these in the past and I think they're, they're all, they've all been great. I mean, like gangs of New York was, I, I, I love that movie. Um, you know, I, I love bringing out the dead. I think that's kind of like a more of a cult classic movie, sure. but, you know, I, that's, that's one I love. So, um, I'm I'm a huge fan of his, and like you said, any anything he comes out with, I'm I'm at least checking it out for sure. I had mentioned that in the in the opening that I hadn't really known of anything between Casino and the the Departed. I saw Bringing Out the Dead for the first time like three years ago, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just really bad, real great movie. I liked with Cage and John Goodman. Yeah, Brandon, same question your way. A- any thoughts on Scorsese? Yeah, um, he is one of the very few directors in Hollywood. Um, with the um, with the aspect of 
bringing together, which um, is one of my favorite things in cinema, is the uh, the ensemble cast. How you use all these big names to tell your story. So, like, take The Departed for example. Is it a Jack Nicholson movie? Is it a Matt Damon movie? Is it a DiCaprio movie? It's a Scorsese movie, and you know, there's very few people with that much acumen that could actually say that in Hollywood, like Oliver Stone or Steven Spielberg might be others. Um, but I mean, they're, and it's weird to make the director the centerpiece, but um, when you're that good and everyone wants to work with you, that's how it is. Uh, now that, yeah, this came out in 06. I think by then, I, I definitely saw Goodfellas and Casino. Um, I think I was a little late on bringing out the dead too. Um, and then there were a few things that I, I, I knew were there, but I didn't appreciate. Like you mentioned the aviator uh, shutter Island. I wasn't a big fan of, um, but I, I saw the appeal in it. Um, Did you guys see uh, silence? Yes. Did you like it? I, that's, that's a blind spot of mine. The religious film with uh, Andrew Garfield and Adam driver and Liam Neeson. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I mean, again, it has the cast. Um, It's a split. It's a 50, 50 people are either going to like it or hate it. I don't know why. I I think it was, it's three plus hours, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Like par for the course. I mean, did you see the Irishman? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, but I, I had to break it down. I saw it in like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like two sessions i felt like that was a nice slow burn kind of gangster movie but it had like a, like a calm pace to it i don't know i kind of liked it it was like a calm gangster film. it's one of those like i could watch like certain scenes of it yeah but i don't know if i'm gonna like ever sit down and watch the full almost yeah. four hour movie again totally unless, unless it's for a podcast which i don't know <laughs> if i'm like rushing to cover that one <laughs> I don't blame me, but it, I mean, it does hold a, a few, you know, the city roots for me and Don. Isn't it about, uh, yeah, uh, Hoffa, it's, it's it's Hoffa. Hoffa, yeah, yeah. The but, first time Pacino worked yeah. with him, so wow. uh, Pacino tidbit when we when we get into the the internet stuff too. All right, so we we have a stacked cast in this. I'll lead with the four guys. I'll break this down into the main and the supporting. So I'll go with the four guys who are on the poster, and those are DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson. This would be the third of six movies, including Killers of the Flower Moon, that Scorsese and DiCaprio worked on together. I'd say this is my favorite movie of his between the the two of them, but Wolf of Wall Street would be my favorite performance from Leo in a in a Scorsese film. Matt Damon, someone has like such a fascinating career. He obviously emerged in the late nineties with Ben Affleck as t- two of the biggest leading men in the world, notably Good Will Hunting, Save a Private Ryan, Rounders, Talented Mr. Ripley. And then in the two thousands, he started like taking some chances. He became an action star with the Jason Bourne franchise. And aside from this, he was in another big ensemble with a lot of big names, the Ocean's Eleven franchise. So he's someone like really interesting. He he can either carry your movie or he can just blend into like a bunch of big names like mm-hmm. he does in those films I mentioned. Um, someone who sadly like doesn't appear like he ever wants to blend in, but he did here and was nominated for an Oscar for it. Mark Wahlberg. He appears like he always just needs to be the number one, which is like a shame because he was so good in this at just at, like not being like the man. And I think of another movie where he was really good in an ensemble Patriots day where 
you know, I think that kind of sparked like the Boston cop memes where it's like, it's a movie about dirty cops in Boston and like Mark Wahlberg's running in, in a tracksuit. And now he's just, you know, he's making like these bad Netflix films, this movie uncharted, the, the video game movie, which wasn't well received father stew, which I don't, maybe it's a good movie, but I, just the poster, I'm never going to watch this movie on purpose. And I, I just, I just think of like how good he was in this movie as, as Dingham. And I just wish he would do more collaborative work. And we have Jack Nicholson, the, icon we've covered him recently when we did the shining i don't really have too much more to add on his career obviously he's one of the greatest to ever do it but this would be his third to last film and i guess this was probably his most memorable role towards the end although i did like the bucket list opposite morgan freeman i thought that was that was a really nice movie uh don any any thoughts on the four anyone stand out for you i mean wow that's like a huge question considering these four actors but um Man, I would say I'm just going to go through real quick as fast as I can. So Leo is great. Awesome, awesome job here. I think he described, I, I read something, maybe it was on IMDb, where he described it as like going through the whole film in like a constant panic attack. And I thought like, that is so true. He, you know... The way the way he goes at the end of the film, it, it it's got to be like the like one of the worst ways for like a great character to go. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I I'm just pulling for this guy so much in this movie, and um, I don't know it. I, I love him in this movie so much, and um, I think he does such a great job of 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 just playing the tension so so well, and and when he plays off in Nicholson, it's just. I don't know. I, 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 I think he's, he just like holds his own against like a legend so well. Damon somehow feels like he, he, you know, he's a great actor too. And I think he does a good job. And maybe this is the directing and the writing, but feels separate from everyone else. Like he's in an ensemble cast, but feels very separate. And I think um, that's interesting. Um, um, and I, th- I'll go to Wahlberg. <laughs> I just, I love Mark. I, I, okay. I do not really like Mark Wahlberg as an actor. I'll be honest. <laughs> I think most of the movies he's in, I think he's just kind of a cheese ball and like, he's just way over X. I think this, this movie was like, this role was sort of designed for him as a person. Yeah. I feel like this is who he is in real life. Um, so, but he's just so awesome in this movie and I, yeah. <laughs> He's just hilarious and I don't know, adds some comedy. And then Nicholson is, I mean, Nicholson is like on my Rushmore of, of, of actors. Like he's right up there with De Niro. I think it's him and De Niro and then other, otherwise it's, it's um, other people. And, you know, that scene with him, you know, we might talk about scenes, but the scene with him where he's like, where he's talking about the rats with De Niro and it's, or with uh, DiCaprio and it's one-on-one. I mean, you just see this guy, and he's got to be, I don't know how old he is in this movie. He's got to be in his 70s or something. I think he's 86 now, if I'm not mistaken. So just, yeah, yeah so he's, he's like 70 at this point. So, I mean, he is just, he is just on fire. I mean, he he is, he's just so solid in this. And, you know, what Brandon was saying about how much of this is like ad-libbed and, you know, I mean, he brings comedy when you need comedy. He, he, he is terrifying at other points. Like he's genuinely, um, um, you, you know, like scary. And um, 
you know, I, I think he's just so good in this movie. Uh, so I, I have nothing but good things about all, really all four of them. Oh yeah. He's like rattling off quotes, but then in the next scene, he's just ca- casually carrying a human hand. Right. And, <laughs> and the way he like toys, toys with it. Like he's just, it's, it, it, yeah, it's psychotic. <laughs> Brandon, same question. And anyone from the, the core four there stand out for you? All right. Um, I guess I'll start with Mark Wahlberg. Um, not the biggest fan either, but we, we did cover fear in the past. Did, yes. Uh-huh. And to go from what he did on, on a Ferris wheel with <laughs> Reese Witherspoon uh, to this, uh, there are a few films that I uh, that I actually enjoyed him in um, with Leo in the Basketball Diaries yeah. in the '90s. That was pretty uh, pretty breakthrough uh, dramatically for him. Uh, but yeah. Few and far between. This he he impressed me. I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one he's impressed, but um, yeah, that's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Um, he's probably one of my top actors too. Uh, he, when you talk about the range of an actor, uh, he can do it in a switch. He could throw three different genres at you in one line of dialogue. I mean, he could be scary, charming, and deceitful, all with one one line. And um, I don't know, maybe that's no ticky, no laundry, but I'll hold that <laughs> until later. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, definitely Matt, wasn't in the script. <laughs> no, oh, absolutely not. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I still hear it sometimes to this day, no ticky, no laundry. As racist or, as it is. Don't laugh. This ain't reality TV. Like, what? <laughs> like, all right, you're a legend. Cool. You just say whatever you want. It's it's fine. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt Damon. Uh, I actually like some of the um, uh, dramatic roles that he's done in the past more than the uh, ultra-violent action movies like the Bourne movies or this. Um Gosh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, even that sci-fi movie, what was the Martian? No, no, no. What was it? Illyrium? Oh yeah, Elysium. Elysium. Thank you. Yeah, I, I even even though I don't remember the title of the movie, I do remember him being in it <laughs> and being standalone. I I saw it and I remember nothing about it other than the title. So I think I liked it. <laughs> well, between me and you, I guess it was a good movie. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, Leo, uh, gosh, um, he's one of those very rare people that got to work with legends young. And I think that built his, built his career up and, um, essentially You're- gave him a glass ceiling every time he went on stage. It's like, okay, I worked with De Niro in this boy's life. How do I top that? Uh, here I am with Daniel Day Lewis, uh, where, you know, where's my good career going to go after this? Uh, he just constantly, I mean, <laughs> from an early age to, I don't know, the oldest age of his current girlfriend, he just put out banger after banger after banger. Uh, even even this year, uh, 2006, uh, he wasn't nominated for an Academy Award for this movie uh, because I think it was Blood a dispute. Diamond. Yeah, Blood Diamond. It was a dispute between him and Warner Brothers. He didn't want to 
accept uh, a supporting actor nomination over all the other actors that he worked sure. with in the movie. So, yeah, because it was another Warner Brothers movie, they uh, gave him the nomination for Blood Diamond, which, yeah, still a great movie. Um, and, 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 and one thing to add about Leo, the, the, the fact that just, just shows his range of acting is he had that love scene with Vera Farmiga, and you know she's, she knows she's in her 30s. And you know, you know what that must have taken for him to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, it just shows what this the range. Of. I mean, it is amazing. Well, half the half the ninety million dollar budget did go towards the actors, and I'm sure Leo, I don't know, gave a an occupational therapist a new gold watch <laughs> to get him through this one. So, and I, even Vera, gosh, I, I mean, I know she had like minor parts before this movie like i i think she did the manchurian candidate with a uh, remake with denzel yeah um but not too many big name things before this but after yeah yeah so that's a good that's a good segue so we can talk about the supporting cast in this like a lot of scorsese movies there's a lot of big names who will show up for small parts and he's he's really good at like discovering new talent too so we'll go into obviously the, the big names in the supporting cast here martin sheen and Alec Baldwin arguably should have been on the poster with the other four, but none, nonetheless, they're, they're both great here. Ray Winstone as Mr. French. This is someone who I wasn't familiar with at all, but he's just really good here, really charismatic. And I did read uh, in the research that he was, it was between him and Dominic West for the role of McNulty in The Wire. So that would have been a completely different show. And a great fork in the road moment there. James Badge Dale who I remember from season three of 24 is in this. And it was really great. Anthony Anderson, who was at this time, I know he's still around and does a lot of sitcom work, but in 06, he was a pretty big name to get in this. I remember like films like Exit Wounds, Romeo Must Die that he was supporting in. And also he had an arc on The Shield as a, as a drug lord. And he was super terrifying in that. And we, we mentioned Vera Farmiga, who this was my first time seeing her. You had mentioned uh, Brandon Manchurian candidate and she's been other, in other things but this was kind of like probably the first time that she was inserted into the consciousness and now she's probably either known for this or the conjuring franchise for me she stands out as norma bates and in, in bates motel but yeah a lot of a lot of great people in addition to the core four here in the supporting cast don does anyone stand out for you that i did mention there i forgot to um i mean i think vera Farmiga stands out to, for me, for sure. Um, I know of that in this podcast, you guys talk a lot about Margot Robbie as you know the uh, the ultimate the ultimate actress, and you guys spend a lot of time talking about her. <laughs> but to I don't me, by design, <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> you know, as um, and you know, I don't want to go down this road too far, but I will say that I really enjoy Vera Farmiga as a very um, attractive older lady. And in this woman or in this, in this movie, I, I find her very, um, uh, I, I find her great in this film, but I will say, and I think she's great in the movie as, as someone who is um, sort of um, um, someone to bounce off of both Leo and uh, Matt Damon um but 
probably um, an awful uh, therapist and, and very unethical <laughs> and really un unethical, uh, you know, um, psychologist. She, uh, <laughs> I imagine there's the, there's the scene where, where she is, where she's meeting with Leonardo DiCaprio and they, he's very combative about her and he wants to have medication sent, you know, uh, prescribed for him and basically badgers her into eventually giving it to him. And, and, and she just does that. And, and I don't think that's probably what, um, what like the, the, the ethics of her of there her was and would 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 deem uh, as the right thing to do um <laughs> and then and then she later goes on to you know um you know have a relationship with him which yeah yeah so i mean on one hand i think on one hand i really do think she's a great actress so i i, I don't mean to downplay that because i just because I, I i personally find her attractive but because i do think she's an amazing actress uh and on the other hand, I, I, I do think that she doesn't have a whole lot <laughs> to like really do in the story besides sort of be, you know, the, 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 the sort of, um, I don't know the right word, but, but just the, the person Catalyst. that the other characters unload upon and, and sort of, uh, you know, un unleash their problems upon and, um, and, and becomes a, a sort of a foil for. So, um, uh, you know, she stands out for me. We that. were talking before we started about mm -hmm. how, for me, this movie like isn't a perfect movie. It's like a nine point six yeah. or nine point seven. And there was, I read something. There was a group of psychiatrists who <laughs> analyzed her and basically just said that's not anything that any of us would ever do, or any <laughs> any psychologist should ever do in the history of psychiatry. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it did seem that she just threw yeah. him a couple pills and then later had sex with them that just I, I don't know <laughs> and she makes it a point she's like well you're not my you're not my uh client anymore or whatever she says you're not my patient so <laughs> yeah. it's like oh, okay well you're kind of skirting the line there but oh, all right <laughs> uh brandon same question for you anyone from the supporting cast stand out uh for me yeah i mean they're all great um but for me alec baldwin uh yeah i mean yeah it, I mean, if it's not for Jack, Alec has probably some of the better um, one-liners of the film um, <laughs> when he's discussing the wedding ring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Basically saying, uh, it's to tell the girls that you're not gay, um, you have money, and your cock works. Uh, <laughs> or um, at the end of the raid, when the... Uh, the Chinese uh, gangsters go away in a boat. He's asking, you know, if there was a camera set up in the back and there wasn't. So he asked the, uh, the poor <laughs> AV guy to stand up and then he proceeds to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I think that no nonsense that Baldwin usually portrays in authority figures, um, I think that was a, a damn good fit for this movie. Um, I don't know if you could place someone else in that bit part and have it stand out as much as Baldwin did for me. Well, definitely there was a, there was a casting almost that I'll, I'll table for, for later, but yeah, I mean, Alec Baldwin was great. And, and this one, yeah, like the, the opening scene where he's, he's just like, I look forward to hearing your ideas so I, I could pass them off as my own. And the, <laughs> 
when they showed the Jackie Costigan dead and he's like last known photograph. <laughs> 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 All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll go into our favorite scenes. We are back favorite scenes. So Don, you and I were talking before and it was basically, I was saying, I basically listed like every scene. So I, I think I have over 10 here. I'm just going to list these off real quick and then we could just kind of decide the three of us what we want to get into. So I'll just, I'll rattle off what I've listed them as first one. What do you got your period? Second, first meeting of Billy and Costello, the microprocessor raid, the queen and Dingham Costello outside their conversation outside uh, Sullivan meeting Frank at the movie theater and <laughs> Costigan following him. Frank and Billy dinner, Frank and Billy's dinner, where he's talking about rats. We talked about that a little bit in the opener. Queenan's death, just a crazy scene. Sullivan calling Costigan on Queenan's phone after he died, just really intense scene there. Uh, the raid and then Frank's death, the end shootout, and then the end with uh, Dingham kill- killing Sullivan. Don, where would you like to start? And if uh, there's something, I, something you want to talk about that I didn't mention there, by all means. There's actually one that you didn't mention that I th- that I thought was interesting, but um, well, let's just talk about real. If you don't mind, we can talk about it real briefly, just because um, I thought it was so interesting. And it was the scene early in the movie where, I guess it's where 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 Billy um, where Costigan meets with Queen and in Dignam for the first time. Yeah, and they they basically <laughs> they basically explain to him how he is not going to, they, they basically say like he, he is from a background. They know what kind of person he is and they're going to, and he is not going to be a cop in five years based on what they know about cops and what they understand about someone like him and where they basically draft him into this position. And I thought that, I just thought the writing on that was, was just so tight and so well done um, that that just struck me as, as something really strong. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about that particular scene where they're just in Queenan's office and uh, Wahlberg's cooking in the scene. Yeah. Oh, goes, yeah. If we weren't good at what we do, we'd be cunts. Are, are you calling yeah. us cunts? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, DiCaprio drops a Hawthorne quote. He says, families are always rising and falling in America. And Queenan says, you know, who is that Hawthorne? And Wahlberg farts and says, what's the matter, hotshot? You don't, you don't know any Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know it's like it's like rapid fire dialogue but you also just learn so much about about DiCaprio's character in that in that scene and and um just like how all these characters operate and how they're gonna operate and Queenan you know I feel like I've I've seen this movie so many times and I always thought of Martin Sheen's character Queenan as sort of like uh like a you know like a like a um like a grandfatherly fatherly like nice character but in this last watching i was thinking you know he's 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 kind of a jerk too like they're all very manipulative yeah he's manipulative of dicaprio the whole time too sure he says, he says do it do it for me you know he says to billy do it for me do this for me and then later on when they're trying to to sort of walk him back from the edge when they're meeting him by the river you know him and him and him and Wahlberg, he says the same thing he puts his hand around his neck do this for me do this for me you know, it's, it's, it's very manipulative. And, 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 you know, that's a thread that, that connects a lot of these characters is that they're, 
they're manipulating each other. They're, they're sort of lying to each other throughout. And I, th- I think that sets a tone th- for throughout the movie. No, I totally agree. And I like, I like, we kind of established like their good cop, bad cop thing where I think Queen and says like staff Sergeant Dignam has a style of his own. I'm afraid we all have to get used to it. And it's just mm-hmm. like, he's the nice guy and Dignam's the dick and yeah. they have this like tag team. I enjoy that. Brandon, what, what's the scene you like? Uh, well, just to piggyback off that one real quick, but the sure. manipulation with Queenum, um, yeah, uh, he does it with Billy um, just as much as uh, Costello does it with Colin. Um, like yeah. when Colin's freaking out over the phone in the other room um, about getting the social security numbers of all his guys, um, Costello's telling him just to calm down, and he's being that calming fatherly figure, which which you see Billy's uh, entrance into uh, into the story uh, during this interview process. But if you go back to the very first scene, it's uh, in the past at the store where Costello meets a very young Colin. And that's where he starts to groom and recruit him from there, saying, you know, he's smart enough. You know, he has the wherewithal to eventually become, uh, I, you know, an authority figure he can use, uh, you know, in his enterprise in the future. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of like father figures um, being played around and the two of the main characters are just pawns, which is um, which is interesting. And then um, as you see them grow up. I, I love a good homage. Um, I'll watch the Rocky movies just for a good montage. Um, and then you see the montage of, you know, what Damon has to go through in his training. Uh, he eventually, you know, works his way up. And then I've, I don't know if we'll talk about it later, um, especially with a lot of Damon scenes. Um, Scorsese decides to use like the Irish out or the Irish in shot. Um Usually with Damon's character, uh, when he's, you know, really feeling um, his spot, you know, of authority in the story. So I'm not sure if that technique was done purposely or if it was an homage like some old um, gangster movies that Scorsese liked in the past, like some old black and white features that did the Irish in and Irish out. Yeah, you can count on a montage like that or Rolling Stones, Give give Me Shelter, which which I believe was playing in that scene too. And he just, he uses that and like, you should just use that in like all of his movies. Like in that movie, we mentioned the silence, just have R- Rolling Stone, Give Me Shelter in this like religious, <laughs> this religious movie. <laughs> it's, just, it's just chanted by Gregorian monks or something. <laughs> well, um, you know, to talk about that diner, uh, one of my first scenes that I have written down is uh, Billy beating up the two Italian guys uh, trying to get money from the shop owner. And uh, that's essentially how Mr. French uh, gets involved in the story and how he sort of finds his in into Costello's world, um, which is interesting because that's the exact same little store slash diner that he met Matt Damon in. So essentially both of their stories with Costello start in that one store. That poor guy too. The, the one, uh, the one guy from Providence are 
the actor's names are Ar- Ar- Armin Garo. He's a, yes. uh, he's a, he's a, that guy, but he's, I don't know if you guys were Sopranos guys, but he's the, he's the guy, Tony beats the living shit out of him and curb stomps him. So, and this was right around 2006 too. So this guy like took a beating. It wasn't a good mid two thousands for this guy. Oh, in memoriam for every year at the Academy Awards. <laughs> Just another character dead. <laughs> um, yeah, those are good scenes. I'm, I'll go to uh, the the first the first time Billy and Costello meet because this is why they planted him in. I'm always a sucker for a movie that plays the title card late. Um, we co- recently covered Babylon, and we didn't see Babylon show up until 32 minutes in the movie. This was a little tamer. The Departed came on the screen at eight, at the 18 minute mark, but we get we get the montage of him in prison, and a few minutes later we we do see Billy and Costello meet for the first time, and you know he Costello. Is is a pretty bright guy. He's like, I wouldn't put it past a, a prick like Queen in to pull you out of the Stadies and send send you my way. And they're talking about the aforementioned scene where he beats up the guys from Providence, and he just like beats the shit out of him because he got this cast on his hand. And he's like, you keep doing uh, drug deals with your jerk off fucking cousin Kevin Corrigan, who's I think was, this was right <laughs> before Superbad, and you know, he was in Goodfellas too, so he's a Scorsese veteran playing playing his cousin in this. I just I like the the other quote in this where he sees he sees the guy as he's leaving the bar. He's like, "Who let this IRA motherfucker inside my bar?" And he asks him, "He's like, how's your mother?" And the guy's like, "She's on the way out." He's like, "We all are. Act accordingly." That might have been like my second quote if it wasn't the the Wahlberg quote on my my Facebook profile at that time. Um, yeah, so this is a good scene. This is kind of like quote perfectly delivered by Nicholson. You know, yeah, like, that seems perfect for him. <laughs> All right, so after that, I got the microprocessor raid. This was the scene we, we talked about uh, that actually has that quote. That wasn't my Facebook profile quote, but uh, Alec Baldwin's cooking in this where, the, where that poor guy was like, what do you think? This is NASA? And Baldwin's just like, never crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we see him going back and forth with the Chinese guys. He's like, if you want to nuke Taiwan, he's like, you're, you're going to need these. It's very, we, we mentioned that the, the racist, the racist stuff that Nicholson does in this movie, pretty heavy towards the uh, the Asian gentleman in the in this scene here. D- Don, what'd you think of the microprocessor, Raid? <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's I think it has to start with just how Jack Nicholson uh, is dressed. Um, <laughs> the, the, the bucket hat, hanger hat, or <laughs> yeah, like a bucket hat. Um, you know, that's. I don't, I don't even know where to, where to begin with that. You know, he, he rolls up with, with that, with that outfit on, um, you know, he's, he, 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 I guess at that point, you know, he's just, he, he knows, he knows his role in, in this, in this world. And he, he's just willing to, to throw around his muscle and, you know, he's pretty confident with how things are running. Um, you know, I, it's a it's a good scene. If, if only it kind of shows, um, you know, when when I when I think of that scene, it's more about like sort of uh, sort of like bureaucratic ineptitude, or more than anything else. Or I don't know if that's the right term, but just the 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 police just sort of you know stumbling over themselves because they are they're maybe thinking too hard about it, and you know that 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 scene to me is more about the police side messing up than anything else and i I, you know the the scene or the the quote from from Wahlberg is hilarious and um yeah that that's what i remember most about it and uh, you know we talked about 
about Alec Baldwin slapping the guy around because he he didn't put the cameras in the right spot. And yeah, you know, I mean, so much of this movie is about is about sort of like keeping up appearances and faking who you are and and putting on airs and things like that. And I think, you know, in that scene, it's 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 sort of showing that you know, they're not, they're not always prepared as, as they think they are. They're not always as tough as they are. And they weren't ready in that, in that moment. So also nothing you could accomplish now with, with Damon texting from inside his pocket. Right. That was, that was a crazy scene. I, I think that probably inspired a lot of people to try that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in 2006, I could have done that because you, you know, you didn't, you didn't need to show your face to get into your phone. I'm pretty yeah. sure I could have texted a lot of people just like maybe like one or two words. I don't know if I could have wrote like a full paragraph, but oh, yeah. That was definitely that was definitely uh, something that hasn't aged well technology wise. Not something you could do in present day. Brandon, what did you think of that scene? Um, it's actually one of my favorite scenes. Now, I'll I'll compare like a lot of the the violence later in the film um, to something like the movie Heat, where it's just like bullets, bullets, bullets. Um, you know, a lot of tight action sequences. Um, what stands out in these scenes with me is, yeah, uh, both Matt Damon texting and Leo keeping his phone on to show that the buyers are there. So they're both mirroring each other again in another scene. And, you know, it's pretty much all or nothing tasks for both of them. And I've seen they're both caught. So, um, yeah. Uh, so other than the violence and a little bit of the humor in this film, I really appreciate some of the um, like the backsided suspense that's added to it. So another suspenseful scene is the movie theater scene, and this is this is where <laughs> Costello goes to give uh, Sullivan the social security numbers. But we have Costigan; he's in the back. You know, really funny. It opens up with him, you know, moaning. I, I did think of <laughs> Huey Herman in the late in the early nineties. <laughs> getting arrested for, for jerking off in a theater that that came to mind it just he owns this 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 uh, x-rated theater and you know he's moaning and he comes out he's got this like giant dildo that he points at him and just the scene is crazy because i i thought like as costello is walking away dicaprio is just in the back like kind of just like crouched down it's like costello stopped for even like half a second and, and saw him sitting there and just the ensuing chase between these two with uh, Costigan chasing Matt Damon. And when the phone rings in the, in the empty alley, just that phone ring is, is kind of like reminiscent of the ding from breaking bad, just like a lone sound. And it's just really crazy. This is, it ends with uh, Matt Damon's character, uh, Sullivan stabbing a guy, just the wrong guy wild scene i thought and then he winds up erasing the security footage because he has access to that insane scene i, I enjoyed this is one of my favorite scenes don what would you think of that scene um there's things i really like about it and there's things that i have issues with so um the thing i, I think i like most about it is matt damon's reaction to jack nicholson <laughs> in the theater because he looks genuinely horrified <laughs> As I, I guess that's normal. <laughs> and he's just so mad at him, like for doing that. And I don't know, that just, it's like the funniest part of the movie for sure. Um, and there is like some genuine tension there. And um, 
the the thing that the thing that strikes me is off is there's like some weird there to me there's like some weird editing that happens in the actual chase scene there's like um there's some weird sort of like camera effects that happen there's some weird editing effects um that when you're watching it I, i i don't know all the technical terms for these things but um <laughs> to me they they date they, they seem dated when i'm watching them now like they're it, it's almost like a like they do like some sort of slow-mo things at a few t- points in in the in the chase um and i'm sure at the time when when this movie came out they they seemed very cutting edge but now they seem a bit dated um so to me that it, it takes away a little bit but um you know overall i I still think it's it's pretty effective, you know the the scene. I don't know if it's because I've seen this so many times, but but where he 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 does stab the uh, the wrong person, I feel like that that is sort of like you know I can see that kind of coming from a mile away, but maybe that's because I've seen it so many times, um, you know. So I I kind of go back and forth on this this one. It's also just very frustrating as a wife as as a viewer seeing this because you're just like ah, catch the guy. But, yeah. Uh, so I, I have a feeling I liked it more when I watched it, but now I, it frustrates me a little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. fair. Brandon, how about you? Any thoughts on that scene? Um, I don't know if you'd be surprised to know that the whole dildo thing was Jack's idea. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so, so um, that might have been Damon's genuine reaction to it, and they're like, just, Jack just like you know taps the <laughs> cameraman on the shoulder. He's like. Here, just follow me with this. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, this the scene definitely does. Um, again, another mirroring of both of the Colin and Billy characters. Um, this is where their chase um, really, be- really begins. Where both know that there's someone on the opposite side that's giving away the information. So this is like the first instance uh, i mean later on you'll get like the bloody phone where colin tries calling billy or calling the rat to see yep. uh, to see if anyone picks up um so this yeah this is like the first first chance you get to see dicaprio versus damon but they really don't meet each other. So it, it, I mean, it's interesting in that aspect. And I understand some of the, the shooting techniques Don is talking about. Um, yeah. Back then uh, for like action sequences, uh, the, the slow-mo, I mean, it's, it's not entirely slow motion. I mean, it, it is a regular pace, but it sort of has like a, like uh, a blur effect or something. Yeah. A blur effect on it. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it's still going at like three quarters of the speed, but yeah, it, it, it does, uh, detract a little bit of the, uh, of the viewer. Um, especially nowadays where things are more like handheld camera gorilla style. And, um, instead of moving in slow or fast pace, you're just like, you're feeling all the bumps, um, of the chase. So yeah, I understand that I, I, definitely in this, uh, an essential and necessary scene um, for them to get the the hunt on for each other. You mentioned you mentioned the scene where um, Sullivan calls Costigan on Queenan's phone after Queenan died. I just have in my notes here. This is cinema. 
because it's these, <laughs> these two titans and they don't say a word but it's one of the most tense scene in the mo- tense scenes in the movies that ringtone is just like annoying and just but necessarily it's it's necessary that it's it's that loud and obnoxious because you hear that phone go off and you're just like holy shit and then just the two of these guys on opposite ends of the phone not saying a word and DiCaprio just like quickly hanging up and then calling back and we hear that ring again and it's just that's just such a great scene and I know like lesser actors could have botched this but they're just they do so much by saying nothing all right so I'm gonna rattle off what I have still here I have Frank and Billy dinner that's uh where he's talking about rats again and this is the scene that basically Nicholson improvised the whole thing. Queenan's death, which was wild scene. Um, Frank's death, that was the raid. And then the end shootout, the end scene with Dingham killing Sullivan. Brandon, where, where, anywhere you'd like to lead off? Um, yeah, my next one is Queenan's demise. Um, okay. Yeah, when I first saw the movie, I it, it hasn't, it didn't strike me at this point like oh Scorsese's gonna kill off pretty much everyone mm-hmm. so yeah Queen and I think was like the first the first the big domino yeah yeah um so yeah that really surprised me um again uh the little I mean he he Queen and probably wouldn't have died had he told Leo from the very beginning that Costello was an informant if he would have just let him know that there probably would have been an easier way to work around everything. Right. Um, but since he kept that tight lipped, um, it, it essentially led to his demise. Um, but yeah. Um, again, uh, while, you know, Billy's trying to get Quinn's help to, to get him out because he, suspects that uh, Costello is onto him. Uh, Colin, at the same time, is still trying to find the rat in the gang. So uh, since uh, Dingham and Queenan aren't giving away the informant names, he decides to have his uh, task force follow uh, Queenan himself and make him look like he's the rat, um, which I thought was a brilliant move. That, that, That was such a great tactic to use. And it's really great DiCaprio, both DiCaprio and Damon are really great in the same because we see DiCaprio, the shock of walking right in front of Queenan's body falling to the ground. And he has to go from that like shock of seeing someone you like, you know, I think I think they developed a, a kind of a father son relationship, too, in addition to the working relationship and just to go from genuine shock to the Costello's guys walking up and he needs to like shift right away back to gangster mode and just great acting by him and then we get the shot of matt damon turning the phone off in the middle of the shootout that he caused and just sitting in the dark by himself just really great these are titans of the industry don what'd you think of that scene yeah that's i think when that first of all you're you're, yeah you are shocked when that happens and i think it it signals like okay it's sort of like things are going off the rails at this point and um because Queen in, I think of anyone, he's like the most stabilizing force in the movie, I mm-hmm. would say. And so, you know, it's like, oh, someone just threw grandpa off the building. So, and grandpa's dead, you know? And so, like, if this dude's getting 
getting off, then, you know, uh, where, and you, you know, you have so much time left in the movie, things are about to get crazy. And I think, um, it, yeah, it's definitely a signal to the viewer that things are, are getting nuts. And, and, and I think you're, you're right, Dave, that when, um, the, the the and this this is where this is where I think DiCaprio is just 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 so amazing in his work is like when the way he can shift like that and you know and go from one step to the next and then you know later on when when he's in the warehouse with the uh, with the member of the gang who's been who's been shot and you know he almost kind of gives him up or he thinks he's about to give him up. Um, and he's sort of confronting that as well and the anxiety is in his face and then it kind of goes away because of what happens. And I mean, you're just like with him through every emotion and it's um, that, you know, you're riding with him throughout the whole thing. So, you know, I, I think, I think it's all through, it's all through DiCaprio's eyes at, at this point. And it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's quite a ride. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we get a lot of big action set pieces at the end of this movie. The next one is The Raid. This is Frank's death. This is kind of like, like the response to Queen and dying. Mm-hmm. And I just have in my notes here, that's a lot of cocaine because there's a ton <laughs> of cocaine in this warehouse. And, you know, Costigan knows what's coming because he's been, you know, trading, trading texts with Matt Damon at this point. And Damon knows that Costello is an FBI informant. So he's like trying to stay in his good graces, but also trying to kind of sink him at the same time. And just this is just a bloodbath. I, I think Mr. French, Ray Winstone, has a really cool death scene where he gets shot, crashes his car. The car's about to explode. He just says, fuck it, and, and blows his own head off. And then that ringtone again, because we get Frank. He's calling Matt Damon. And we get that, that same ringtone. It's a very memorable sound. And, you know, they talk. You're an FBI informant. Another great line where he says, you're like a son to me. And Matt Damon's is like, all that murdering and fucking and no sons. And just... You know, Costello goes to kill him, but Sullivan gets to him first. Just this is just a, a wild scene there, Don. What would you think of that scene? Uh, yeah, it's um. On one hand, it's like uh, I felt like it ended really quick, like it happened very fast, considering the two and a half hour movie, um, and then Costello is 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 ended pretty quick. But um, I, it's the one it's the one scene in the movie where I, I really feel a lot of empathy for for matt damon's character actually um just how much he's been used throughout this thing even though he he i mean you know he doesn't i'm not super sympathetic to him as a character but um you know he he has been manipulated so much and and this this father figure to him is just like really just use him and up until the last moment he's you know he's just really I, I, this word is used so so often but like he's like groomed this kid since like he was a young boy yep to 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 be this to be this like foot soldier in his basically in his like little empire and only for his own service like only for his own purposes to because it's like a game to him or he wants to get rich or whatever you know whatever dumb reason he has and it just all seems so stupid at the end and um, and, and in that moment, I feel some empathy for him. So, um, you know, I, 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 I do like the justice that he gets at the end by, by, by killing him. I, I think that's, there's some, uh, just, you know, there's some like good satisfaction there. Brandon, same question. How, how'd you like that scene? 
Oh, I, I loved it. And it did go back to a conversation that uh, Costello had with Billy. Um, it, it was the dinner scene, uh, basically, when uh, Billy's asking, you know, you, you got all the money. Why are you doing this with the drugs? And why, you know, you, you're in your 70s. Someone, someone in your own gang is going to off you to take your spot. Um, or you're going to get busted by the cops if you keep messing with the drugs. Um, and Costello sort of, not directly, but indirectly states that, well, I don't have an error, so, you know, I'm going to keep doing this because I like to do it. Yeah. Now, if, if he would have taken on either one, either Billy or, uh, Colin as the actual son figure, I don't think he would have even been at that raid and he probably would have just I don't know bequeathed his empire to someone else um, but he didn't so he died uh, <laughs> but no 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 that that was a great scene I, I do understand how you know everything especially the prior action sequences with the with the slow motion this was all real time just straight you know barrage of bullets and it's over within three minutes yeah I mean, some of the big names of the entire movie just wiped out in three minutes. Yeah, we talk um, about basically everyone in this movie dies except for like one main character. We don't even really get to catch our breath with, with this scene before like the next shootouts a few minutes later. Don, you said you had someone else about that scene? Yeah, I was just curious what your guys' thoughts were on. So, you know, we, Colin is the one who, who, who eventually takes out Frank, but um, I'm just curious what, how you think the scene would be different if it was um, Billy who was the one who did it instead and, and why why it was Colin, you know, why they decided to go with Colin doing that instead of Billy. I, li- I like the choice because they had more of a father-son relationship. It was, I don't know that I think the relationship between Costello and Costigan was kind of transactional. Costigan definitely feared him. I think Sullivan feared him too, but I think there was there was more of a, I think for lack of a better term, like mentorship between the two, and obviously underneath the surface, Costigan is trying to send Costello to jail or death, and there was a working and personal relationship between the two. So I like it felt it felt more real that it felt more kind of satisfying, and I don't really I think we all agree that we don't really have much love lost for. Matt Damon's character, but it was it was a satisfying moment for him. Right. Yeah. No, and I think uh, we probably we wouldn't have had the ending that we did um, had it been Billy ar- arresting Frank there, because as soon as he revealed himself as the cop, I'm pretty sure Matt Damon would have shot him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So. So Costig- so so Costigan, so Billy, I'm just thinking that all the, all the characters that get killed throughout this movie, Billy never kills anybody, right? He actually never shoots anyone. No, yeah, never beats huh. the shit out of uh, some guys from Providence, but <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who asked him if he was on his period, but uh, okay. yeah, no, no murders. Yeah. I think yeah, because he says in the uh, the, the sit down with Frank, he's like, "Could I do murder?" Yeah. And he's like, "I think I could." Hmm. Interesting. All right, so we just talk about this movie. It's like bang, bang, bang at the end. You don't really have time to catch your breath. We get this like massive action sequence where basically all of Costello's crew dies. And then like five minutes later, after 
DiCaprio sees the citizen's envelope on Damon's desk and realizes that he's the mole. We get this this shootout on top of the roof, the same roof where Queen was thrown off of. And just DiCaprio is just beating the living shit out of Matt Damon in the, in this scene. And then we get Brown shows up, Anthony Anderson's character, and they have this this standoff. And then we find out Barrigan, uh, the he shows up and he's he's also he reveals that he's another mole that, that Costello had, and there's just big shootout. Just I just remember watching this for the first time and the elevator door opening, and just you don't even get time to process it. It's just DiCaprio just get his head blown clean off, and just it's just a wild scene. Then they kill Anthony Anderson, Damon kills Chase James Badge Dale, and frames him as the soul rat, and he gets like I think he gets the Medal of Merit for his bravery. Just like you're just brooding for this guy to die at this point because he just caused all this chaos throughout this movie and he's, he's getting rewarded. Obviously we're going to, we're going to get our satisfaction at the end, but we'll, we'll table that. This is just, this is just a wild, wild scene. Uh, Brandon, what'd you think of the scene? No, I really liked it. And you could tell um, from the previous scene when he shot Costello that maybe we underestimated his survival instinct throughout the entire movie, because up until that point, he was just, pretty much Frank's go-to guy, but now he's, he shot Frank to keep his identity concealed. And now this scene where he's shooting people that are on his side unnecessarily just to keep his identity hidden and his, um, his actions throughout the entire uh, movie uh, hidden from everyone else. And I think, even the first time watching it, yeah, uh, you don't get to react to Leo getting shot in the head. I mean, as soon as that door opens, I mean, it's it's a a shot direct, you know, a front shot right directly at his face, and you see the bullet, boom. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Um, had as careful he, as he is, too, Matt Damon's character, just to leave that envelope on the desk, which is ultimately what led to his demise, just very very careless decision but you know a great plot mechanism for the movie but... yeah and and you know um uh, something we didn't mention but uh when billy was going to meet uh colin up on uh on the rooftop he gave uh he gave vera the recording uh in case anything happened yep. to him. so I mean, it doesn't show anything, but who knows if after everything that happened, if, you know, if Colin didn't go back and kill her too, even though she was pregnant. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. He, he took out his mentor. He took out a bunch of allies and no one is any of the wiser. Um, so other than the the violence and brutality shown through that scene. Um, I think it's, I think it's Damon's uh, stolen scene for the movie. So we, we do get that satisfying ending here. And I, I think even when I saw this for the first time, I kind of telegraphed this, the scene with Dingham killing Sullivan, because we, at this point we hadn't seen Mark Wahlberg in this movie in about 45 minutes. And I'm just saying like, yeah, this is Mark Wahlberg. He's one of the biggest stars in the world and he hasn't been here for a while. And we kind of know he's off to the side. Uh, Costigan does mention him on the rooftop scene. He's like, where's Dingham? I asked you to bring Dingham. And 
So you're like, he probably has to show back up in this movie at some point. And he does. He shows up in Matt Damon's apartment. You know, he's, he's wearing he's wearing those uh, the garbage bags or whatever he has on his shoes. You know, obviously, this guy's a cop, not a murderer. But you, f- you figure with his preparation and his, his ability to get in his apartment, he was able to just probably just walk away clean and then maybe went back to work after the, uh, the two-week suspension that LRB put him on and then probably just went back to work like nothing happened. And just very satisfying ending. Uh, like I said, everybody except Mark Wahlberg dies in this movie, and well, Alec Baldwin lives too. But yeah, just a wild ending. It's just bam within like the last half hour, the, the entire cast, except for these two guys, is dead. Don, what what do you think of the ending? Uh, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty satisfying. Um, I love the shot where you know it just sort of. I think it opens on his feet, you know, and they're wrapped in those little booties. Yep. And it sort of tilts up and you see him holding the gun and it's, uh, you come, it's, it's like you're coming to, um, the acceptance that Matt Damon is coming to at the yeah, same okay. time. It's like, <laughs> Oh yeah, this is, this is how it's, it's bound to end. I mean, this is the game. It's like, you know, game of Thrones. You, you know, you, <laughs> I forget, never mind. I messed it up, but yeah, you're, um, you know, it's, you, you, you play this game and this is eventually how it's going to end for you. Um, and um, yeah, the, I mean, it's just so cold blooded and <laughs> I, I, you know, Damon starts to talk and then it's just pew, right, you know, right, right to the noggin and yeah, he goes down and it's, um, it, it's satisfying. You, you, you know, I mean, it, it pains me to think that that Mark Wahlberg is the one who's left standing at the end of this film out of all. <laughs> but, um, you know, I guess someone has to carry carry on. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's you know, I don't know what to say. It's just it's nice. There, there is some controversy about about how it eventually ends, how right. that ends. But uh, yeah, we could talk same about question, that. Brandon. Would you would you how did you feel about the end? No, I. I really like the ending and I didn't think about it until I started rewatching the film this week. Um, now when Dingham does it, I mean, maybe throw it to you guys. Did, did he do it because Billy may have sent him something to prove that Colin was the rat? Did well, they he didn't show it? They didn't show it on screen, but you have to, cause he asked Brown on the rooftop, where's Dingham? you were supposed to bring Dingham and I assume either Vera Farmiga told them about this or Anthony Anderson's character maybe called Dingham Dingham and he wasn't available because he was on a paid leave or suspension and maybe he wasn't around or whatever. They didn't, I mean, they did that. So I guess to have conversations like this, like what, what happened? Where was he? Why wasn't he on the roof for, for the, the shootout scene? Right now, you show up later, but you had to figure he, he found out he got a copy of yeah. those tapes from somewhere. But if if he was, you know, still an officer, you would think he'd go for the arrest and not for the kill. Now, do you think maybe he had a relationship relationship with Costello because Costello was his informant and you know, Colin was the one that killed him or? Could it have been in revenge for Queenan's death? Because... I think it was revenge for Queenan. I think that was the driving factor. All right. So you don't think in any way that he was yet another mole for Costello? Nah. 
<laughs> I, see, I got the impre- I got the impression that he had totally resigned from. I thought he was done with the. Uh, you know, they, they, Baldwin they, says two weeks with pay, so he's suspended. But but then later on, I thought Brown. I, we could we could verify this, but I, I I thought someone mentioned that he couldn't. He actually resigned after that. Damon like, says that to Costello on the phone. He's like, Dingham handed handed in his papers. Right. But I don't, I don't, that could have been just an unreliable narrator there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Huh. I mean, the other thing is he could have, he could have looked, he could have saw everything happening with, with um, Sullivan and the news and all that stuff that was happening with him. And, and, you know, I mean, he could have, he could have went, he could have saw that uh, DiCaprio's character was erased from, you know, at some point didn't, didn't Damon erase him from like um, he did, yeah, from everything in the police in the police records? I mean, that would have been a a, a smoking gun, I would think too. Sure, yeah. So it's good, yeah, because a lot of this stuff happened off screen, where you know, yeah. Dingham obviously finds out somehow. That that'd be great if there was like a deleted scene where you kind of. Right. But you know, these conversations are fun. The the ambiguousness right. and that's a good question. And, I never actually thought about that. And then, you know, Damon's coming back with groceries, but, uh, well, the last time he saw her, Vera just moved into that apartment and it didn't look like she or anyone else was living there. Yeah, so, but there was no relationship. She found out everything and it didn't look like she was going to, you know, narc on him or anything, but the relationship seemed to be dead. Because even at the funeral... He he's trying to talk to her, and she just keeps walking. Where he says, "What what about the baby?" And she just she wants no part of him. Well, here so here's another question, and I don't mean to go too far off the rails. Go for it. But is is that do you think that's actually do you think that's uh, Sullivan's child, or do you think that's oh Billy's that's you know child? that's another you know unanswerable question, right? Because yeah. you know clearly he had some issues in the bedroom, sure, early in the film, so. Um, you know, that's another thing to consider. Yeah. But, but, you know, he did tell Alec Baldwin, he's like, my cock's working over, <laughs> over time. <laughs> well, what are you going to say to Alec Baldwin? I mean, come on. All right. Yeah. So this is, this is, this was fun. Great scenes. This is, this is an awesome movie. Um, why don't we segue there into according to the internet. So I, like, I usually like to start these with the casting almost. And there's like a lot of fun ones here. Uh, Scorsese originally wanted Al Pacino for the role of Frank Costello. And, you know, I, this is an Irish mafia movie. I, the, Frank Costello is loosely supposed to be based on Whitey Bulger. So I don't know if Pacino would have worked there. And But he wanted to work with Pacino because he hadn't worked with Pacino ever. And it's, it's crazy that the first time they worked together was The Irishman uh, just a couple of years ago. And it, w- it would have worked. You know, it would have been fun. But I... I Jack Nicholson was the right choice for this, I think. Either Don, you have any thoughts on that casting? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I can't really picture Pacino in this role. Okay. Brandon? I don't know. I think out of all the casting almost, this is the only one I might actually sway towards. Um, but I think that just might be my personal love for Pacino. Um, okay. he, Fair. He's just an inter- international man of mystery. He could play any ethnicity he wants and people will just buy it (laughs) all right so here's another one brad pitt was originally cast as sullivan dropped himself out of the role because he said he's too old and 
you know, might, you might be right there. He was actually a producer on this film. He dropped out and he was, he started in Babel, which I, I think I've seen, but I, I don't really remember too much about it. You know, I think he's right. I think he was probably too old at this point. I think Damon was, was kind of like a, a baby face still. And I, I think you need to have that. I agree with Brad Pitt's assessment that he was too old for this role. Uh, how about you, Don? Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, I associate Damon with Boston and, you know, he's just, he just seems like the right guy for this. Brandon. Yeah. Um, you know, especially after I think ocean 13 hit this year, uh, that this movie came out or maybe the year after you already established him as a much older person than Damon would have been. Um, I think Damon was the right cho- choice for sure. Okay. There were like 30 casting almost. I kind of just narrowed this down to the ones that I thought probably were real. Some of these are just like, that's not real. I'm not even oh, you mean like, you mean like the Rizza or Tyler Perry as uh, Detective Brown? <laughs> yeah, I did, I did read those. <laughs> those are two big polar opposites there. Um, Ray Liotta was the first choice to play Dingham, according to the internet. Uh, and had to drop out. I just had scheduling conflicts, and you know this would have been this would have been cool. I, you know, I, obviously I like Mark Wahlberg in this role, but Leota's a lot older, and this would have been their first time reuniting since Goodfellas. Would have been cool. I, I ultimately I, I I like Wahlberg in this role a lot, and it worked out well for him because he was nominated for an Oscar. But Leota would have been would have been fun, I think. Don. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because it's it just seems so different. But um, I could see him doing great in this. You know, I, I he I think he would be he would have been awesome too. But um, yeah, Wahlberg kind of stole every scene he was in, so it's yeah. hard, it's hard to like vote against him. These fork in the road moments are, are fun. Mm-hmm. How about you, Brandon? Um, as much as I love Ray Lo- Ray Liotta's work, I don't know if that relationship between him and Queenan especially Martin Sheen's Queenan would have worked out because they're closer to the same age than uh, Sheen and Wahlberg are. So, I mean, having Martin Sheen establish the authority uh, and essentially the seniority of that relationship, I, I mean, you don't see many Ray Liotta movies where he plays second fiddle like second fiddle well. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I'm sure he could have. But um, I don't know, when you got someone like Ray Liotta, I mean, he he steals scenes and to try and put him together with Sheen, I don't I don't know if that would have worked. Well, he could have been with someone else because uh, Robert De Niro turned down the role of Queenan to be in The Good Shepherd, which I did see that year opposite Matt Damon, which was a fine movie, but it wasn't on the level of this, in my opinion. Uh, he, he also directed that movie as well. Would have been cool but I like Martin Sheen. You know, yeah. all these are fun to talk about, but I, I like the castings as, as they are. Don, any thoughts of De Niro there? Is maybe, mm. I think it maybe is a little distracting because that's such yeah. a good name. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, it, you know, Martin Sheen is like a good B-level, C-level actor who who fits that role well. Yeah, you don't want... I, I feel like you're right. It would be too distracting. Don? Brandon? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to step on you again. That's my um, fault. Yeah, I didn't want to ask you the same question twice. That's yeah, no, no, it's fine. Um, God, it, I mean, putting all the pieces together in my head right now, um, you would have essentially DiCaprio being uh, playing off of 
Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, <laughs> both both as feds. I, I, I mean, you, it, well, it's I mean, a completely different movie. Exactly. Yeah, wild. So these these casting almost are, are fun to talk about, but I think we all agree that this was cast kind of perfectly. Don, you said you had something about the end scene involving the, the rat. Oh yeah. So I mean, there there was some interesting. So so some people. Some people really have a problem with this, with the final <laughs> shot of the film, where, as you recall, um, it's it sort of uh, after, after you see um, Matt Damon's character laying bloody and dead on, on his on his parquet floor, um, it sort of tilts up towards the the Capitol dome and uh, across the the um, the railing of his of his balcony, a rat a rat goes across and kind of stops there and pauses and then just moves on. And a lot of people thought that is just a little too sort of on the nose um, and thought, you know, why did Scorsese do this? It's like a little cheap, um, you know, just like it's a little silly and kind of a weird end shot. So there, when the, after the movie came out, there was like a internet, um, you know, th- uh, campaign to, to 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 sort of like digitally um, remove the rat from the the final scene. Um, I think there was I don't know if there was like a Kickstarter or if, if Kickstarter existed at the time, but some sort of fundraiser thing. And then and then and then some other guy just came in and was like, I I can do that in like a half hour for free, and then just did it. And um, so there is a version of this film somewhere like you can look on the internet, which just has the rat digitally removed if if you so if you feel that you know passionate about this rat being being a problem um i i mean i guess i can kind of see it it is i guess i can see both sides of the argument to, to be honest it is a little weird to me it does seem a little on the nose but um yeah it was a choice and i don't know if it, if it added I, it didn't offend me like it did some other people i did read right. some of the the discourse on it you know if, if it wasn't there I, I wouldn't really have a strong opinion but it is there and i still don't really have a strong opinion but i was like okay yeah, that's weird that yeah there's a rat just happened to that's how that's the last shot of the movie yeah I, I could play the devil's advocate on this one i i would love to see the rat digitally added to all the ends of scorsese gangster films almost like his <laughs> Uh, Porky Pig. That's all, folks. You know, just his nice little send off. Just and then, with Gimme Shelter playing at the end. Yeah, <laughs> B and A. <laughs> all right, so good stuff from the internet there. I do have one trivia question, so we'll I'll lead this off here. I'm going to give you a list of actors, and Don, you can take first crack at this, and I'll give Brandon second. Cool. Which of these actors have appeared in the most Martin Scorsese movies? Okay. Oh. Alec Baldwin, Ben Kingsley, Al Pacino, Ray Winstone, or Harvey Keitel. Ray Winstone's Mr. French. Right. Well, um, what was the first one you said? Alec Baldwin. Um, I would say Harvey Keitel. Okay. Don? I, I did it again. I'm at, ah, Brandon, sorry. Brandon. <laughs> that's, that's, um, what I, that's what I meant. Gosh, I, I think I was going to go with Kaitel as well. Um, you said 
Can you go over the list again? I'm sorry. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, Alec Baldwin, Ben Kingsley, Pacino, Ray Winstone, Harvey Keitel. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was in Shutter Island other than Leo. Um, uh, uh, I'll go with um, just play different Kingsley. Okay. Uh, Don got it. it. It was Harvey Keitel. He's been in four. Bad. The The Irishman, Last Temptation of Christ, Taxi Driver, and Mean Streets. Uh, Kingsley was in two, Shutter Island and Hugo. So two, everybody else had two. Uh, Baldwin was in two, uh, Departed Aviator. Uh, Ray Winstone was in this movie, obviously, and, and Hugo. And Pacino just won The Irishman. So that should have been like the low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. We right, let's do some more. talk about Hugo at all. No. I, I see it once. <laughs> I like it. You know, that's one of the I, different. I don't know anything about this. That's animated, right? Uh, semi am an I believe. Yeah, Chloe Grace Morantz is in it. Kingsley. It was. I'm trying to think. It was like 2011. Oh, okay. and that was one. I, I just saw it a couple of years ago. I, I enjoyed it. You know, not your standard uh, Scorsese movie, but it was. You know, he, he, he takes a lot of swings. <laughs> let's do some. Let's do some awards here. We got. We'll start off six man. Uh, just for anyone who doesn't watch basketball, that's someone who's not like a star of the movie per se, but comes in off the bench and puts up a. Lights out performance here. I I don't know. I think I might have violated the own rules, my own rules of this award, and I gave it to Mark Wahlberg because I don't think he wasn't in, in the movie as much as Nicholson, Damon, and DiCaprio, and he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. So Best Supporting, that kind of goes hand in hand with Six Man. So I didn't really have – I didn't really think about this too much. I didn't really have any other candidates – It'd be interesting to hear if you guys have any takes on where you went with this one. Don, what would you do? Uh, I was anticipating this and I would go, I'm going to go with Ray Winstone. Okay. This is a character who we didn't talk about as much. Um, I just think he was very menacing throughout the movie. Um, thought he played um, just a good sort of second fiddle to uh to Jack Nicholson's character and um, sort of had a, a bigger role in the, in the first half of the film, I thought, and more important role and sort of uh, guiding um, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, character in throughout the beginning. Um, and yeah, I thought he, you know, was a good creepy gangster and you need that in a movie like this. And so he, he did the part well. So I would go with uh, Mr. French, Ray Winstone. Yeah. And that's like we talked about earlier. This is someone who I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people weren't familiar with this guy. And then, you know, this movie kind of made him a a face. I don't know. He hasn't really been like a household name since, but you recognize him from things and you're like, okay, it's Mr. French. I think he was in the black widow movie, which was like Mm -hmm. a couple years ago, but I recognized him right away. Okay. That's, that's Mr. French. Brandon, where'd you go with that one? Um, I actually went against your rules as well. And, almost for the same reasons went with Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Um, like I said, uh, not the biggest fan of uh, his, his entire works, but I could, I could pick out pieces. And again, with, you know, beer in the nineties, basketball diaries, four brothers, this for me was his, <sighs> I don't want to, I don't want to cross puns here by calling it his uh, 
magnum opus when that probably was Boogie Nights in his prosthetic. But um, I think, <laughs> I mean, out of all the people that surprised me with their with their acting, um, he was the biggest surprise for me, and that's why I went with him for Six Man. All right, so we'll have we'll have a poll for the gram there. MVP of the movie. For me, this was this was a three horse race between DiCaprio, Damon, and Nicholson, and ultimately, I went with Matt Damon as Sullivan for MVP of this movie. My reasons being, when you look back at the career of Jack Nicholson, this probably isn't going to be a top five thing you hear. His performance in this movie, although he was very good, and DiCaprio's gone on to do a lot of things since. I'm looking at Matt Damon's filmography, and this is kind of like the last super huge thing. Obviously he's been working pretty steadily, but like a lot of cameo work. I'm thinking, you know, Ford versus Ferrari was kind of a big movie in 2019 opposite Christian Bale. And he does, he did this weird movie called Stillwater where he's playing this guy from Oklahoma Mm -hmm. trying to get, get his daughter out of prison from a friend out of a French prison. Um, He was a supporting actor in the last duel, the Ridley Scott movie last year. And Air just came out, which is one of my favorite movies of this year so far. The Nike movie where he's kind of reunited with Ben Affleck. But not like nothing popped off the way this did. And this was like 17 years ago. And I think this is probably his biggest, his, the last massive role that he's had was The Departed. So and I think DiCaprio's done like a, a lot of big things since. So for those reasons, I went with Matt Damon as my MVP of this movie. Don, how about you? Um, I, uh, I, so I, 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 my, my thoughts about Nicholson are, are similar to yours is that I think he's great in this and it's probably his last movie where I, th- it's probably his last great film and it will go down as, is like a great role, but it's not, He's had so many iconic roles that it, it won't it won't measure up as one of the best, I don't think. So, um, my, to me, it's 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 Leo here, okay. Um, just because he, I don't know, he he's just he's just stellar throughout. I think he has to he has to do a lot here. He has to um, play a very anxious character throughout. Um, and I, I feel like that's 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 tough, but he he also has to balance it with being sort of self-assured when he's playing a gangster. And he has to do a lot of this ad-libbing with, according to the stories, Jack Nicholson. I mean, you look at that, we, we didn't get into it, but the scene where they're talking about the rat in, in the gang, if, if, if the stories are true, a lot of that was ad-libbed and... Um, you know, we're, we're supposed to understand Leonardo DiCaprio's character is, is a very intelligent character. Like he, he's supposed to have done really well in school, um, sort of head of, head of his class. Um, and he, the way he, he acts in that scene, I think is just, it's just so telling of that, the way he presents different theories to, to Nicholson as to like what, what's happening in the gang and, and what he should be thinking about in terms of, you know, other other characters maybe trying to step in and 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 take over. If 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 that kind of stuff is, you know, I know they they work off sort of like a like a like a like a template or not a template, but sort of like an outline of what they want to say. Um, but if if that sort of stuff is sort of ad libbed and he's able to do that in the presence of such a legend as Nicholson, I, I think that says a lot. Um, 
so I, I, I give that to him. And, you know, I, I just think by and large, he's just, he, he, he's just on the whole time. You know, I, I, I just feel the tension. I feel every emotion with him and it's, it's on his face. It's in his, it's in his body language throughout. I, he, he has this like hunch throughout the movie. I don't know if you noticed this, but oh, definitely. He, he, he feels like he's like closing in on himself the entire time. And it's like, uh, it's something, uh, it just seems so, so interesting about the way he does it. And um, I, 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 I enjoy watching him so much. Good pick. I, I, I went back and forth between the two of them. Brandon, where did you go for MVP? Um, actually, I had it written down and I'm going to have to agree with you again. Uh, Matt Damon, silent assassin. Um, <laughs> as much as I, you know, again, was surprised with, um, the acting chops that Wahlberg portrayed. Um, I think it was the scenes with Damon that we discussed earlier, especially the the real tension builder scenes um, where he's not saying anything and he's forced to convey um, deceit or betrayal just by using his face and, you know, without being able to run lines back and forth with another actor. That's not the easiest thing to do. And um, again, he's worked with big ensembles with the Oceans films and, uh, you know, like even school ties in the beginning. Um, but for me, uh, just those, those back and forth scenes with DiCaprio, who has essentially, I mean, between the four main actors on the, well, let's take Wahlberg up. The three remaining actors on the poster, he is sort of like, in, in my eyes, um, the lowest of the totem pole of the three. So just as impressive it is for DiCaprio to work with Nicholson, I think it's even more um, amazing and impressive that he got to do the same with Nicholson and DiCaprio. Great picks. All around, so these will be uh, these will be polls that I'll, I'll post on the Instagram. Don, what is something good you watch this week? Well, um, I, I, there's a couple of things I wanted to, to mention. Um, one is, and this is something that uh, that I'm, I've been kind of watching the last couple of weeks, and I, I'm not sure if it's been mentioned in in the podcast yet. But um, one is the Netflix show Beef. I love which, it. <laughs> I absolutely love this show. Um, I think it's just some, just like a totally fresh, original thing that I've never seen before, and um, it <laughs> it has a soundtrack that reminds me a lot of high school, um, and that, <laughs> that that like surprises me every week, which is cool, and. Um, and weird it sounds weird because we're talking about two like the two main characters are are, are should, do you want me to give like a really tiny brief uh, whatever you want to do yeah explanation of it so I, if people don't know about it it's 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 about two two characters um who have a brief sort of um road rage encounter and then um sort of go back and forth with each other and it sort of spirals out of control over the course of uh, 10 episodes uh, it gets worse and worse and worse. And um, what um, I, I mean, the, the characters are just deeply flawed people and um, but but also relatable. And um, I feel like they're they're 
they're just characters we haven't seen before in a lot of in a lot of things and um i i, I really enjoy it a lot um so i would i would i would definitely encourage people to check that out i don't know if you guys have thoughts about that but then the other um the other one is just this this really kind of quiet hbo show that doesn't get a whole lot of excitement it's um or a whole lot of uh you know, uh, spotlight. It's called Somebody Somewhere. I oh, keep perfect. hearing about this. I know a lot of people have talked about it. In the so good. Around. Yeah, it's it's a show that um, I watched last year, and um, it's 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 sort of about like a woman who uh, has sort of like a midlife crisis and returns to her her home and or her family's home in Kansas or her hometown, and just kind of is like. I don't know, just kind of like taking stock of her life and reconnecting with people from her past. And it's, I'm not sure there's much more of a plot than that. It, it, it's, um, it's a quiet, I, I was talking to Corinne, Corinne Fores on, on the, uh, on, in the group, in the, in the, um, in the, the chat on the group. And we were just saying it was like a, it's like a quiet show where, you know, you just get to spend time with the characters and let them develop. And, you know, sometimes those are really nice. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of action. And it's a, it's, it's a very comforting show and you get to appreciate the characters. So it's called somebody somewhere. And it just, the second season just started this week. So um, that's what I'm checking out. That's on my radar. I need mm -hmm. to get, get on that at some point. Brandon, how about you? What's something good you watched this week? Uh, well, because of rewatching the part of this week, I haven't had, much time to watch actual movies so i had to stick with just tv shows this week so i've been keeping up with the new seasons of ted lasso um barry i just started uh let's see the big door prize also on apple tv it's a, a fun uh, anxiety inducing comedy and uh, seen the first two yeah um, and then just because I'm a nerd, I finished watching on Paramount, the final season of Picard. So, okay. All right. So some good recs there. I'll go uh, movie TV. I got to, I got to the theater over the weekend. I saw Bo is afraid. This is the new Ari Aster movie from Ari Aster director of hereditary Mid midsummer. And I guess mileage may vary on your thoughts of his filmography and mileage definitely varies in this movie, which I enjoyed, but a lot of there's a there's a mixed reception would be putting it mildly to this to this film, which stars Joaquin Phoenix as a man who is trying to get to his mother's funeral and just a lot of chaotic shit happens. This is like we talked we covered Babylon a couple of weeks ago, and that's like a, a film that Damien Chazelle made. And it was clear that he had no checks and balances on him. He was just able to do whatever he wanted. And kind of the same deal here with Ari Aster. It was just he was given a blank check. I don't know if these guys will. I love both these movies, but I don't know if these guys are ever going to be given that freedom again after these. <laughs> this. This movie was kind of all over the place and lost me at times, but I never didn't respect what was going on. He made the movie he wanted to make. And it, it was, you know, some sometimes it was like, all right, we're, we're, it's a three hour long movie. We're like, all right, you know, I, I get it. And, but it, I, I left as I was like, glad I saw it. This will probably be somewhere in my top 10 for the first half of the year. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be there in December, but 
you know, not much to choose from for the first six months of the year. This was a good movie. I, I respect it. I still don't know if, if I like it, but it was, <laughs> it was definitely something worth talking about. And, you know, if you're like film bro or whatever the term you want to use, it's probably something you want to say. It was a big movie that I don't know a lot of people are going to say. I would imagine it's not going to do well uh, commercially at the box office. And you like you you were like a big fan of Hereditary and and Midsummer and all that. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. Midsummer more than Hereditary. Yeah, okay. and now, this, this would be number two in my filmography. Yeah, of his. it was. Is this on your guys' radar? Or oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I yeah. love all those other movies. But I'm I'm like a little nervous to see this because of all the bad reviews or yeah. mixed reviews, I should say. Yeah. No. Same with me. Um, do you remember? Uh, what the original title for this movie was because I think I heard at some point they changed the title to oh, Bose. Yeah. You're right, and I should have that up here somewhere. Um, did you know? No, because I remember it was changed to Bo is Afraid, and then we saw this poster with this kid who, who everyone thought was AI, but the <laughs> actor the actor actually had to come out and say, like, I'm not AI. Or his name's Armin Nahat. I'm going to fuck up his last name. Nahapatean. But he had to come out and make a post on his socials saying, I'm not AI. <laughs> because this kid is like a very good looking kid and it just doesn't look real. <laughs> <laughs> the original title was Disappointment Boulevard. Yes. Okay. There it Thank is. You. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, for a lot of people, this might be Disappointment Boulevard. But yeah. so it's a more accurate representation of the film. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I recommend it. There's a, I, this isn't a spoiler to say, and it'll kind of segue me into my second half here, because um, he's on the cast list. But Bill Hader has like a random ass cameo in the middle of this movie. Really? Yeah, that's it's just it's it's hilarious, and it it just it just works because there's a lot of random shit going on in this film. <laughs> but it, that's not a spoiler because I'm on IMDb, and he's like clearly on the cast list here. Okay. And that'll kind of segue me into my TV, which I'll, Brandon, you mentioned this, but the the final season of Barry which is just Brandon. I know you're on this. Are you, you're current. Uh, I did get through the first two. Of so. season four. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I won't go spoilery. Uh, Don, how about you? Are you, are you on this one or no, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I I'm not, a, I'm, I don't worry too much about spoilers. I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me for me. Like if you spoil something that I'm not watching, I'm probably like half checked out and I'll forget what you said anyway. No. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but this is, you know, nine time Emmy award winner. I, I kind of like tout this show heavily. I, I probably this in succession are the ones that I, I advocate the most for. And this, you know, they're, the final season of this is just they're going to do what a final season of a show should do. They're kind of pulling out all the punches and the end of episode three is wild ending. And I'm not going to uh -huh. spoil, but it's just, it's insane. It's the right. show has some of the best action set pieces. And just from the beginning where, you know, season one, where it's just, you're watching this and like you're laughing your ass off. Like you were on their shows, like curb your enthusiasm or veep one second. And then the next second, you're just absolutely horrified at what you're watching. Mm -hmm. I, never seen anything like this like the juxtaposition between comedy and and horror horror slash drama just oh yeah excellent show. i mean that that show is it it is damn good i mean yeah you go into the comedy of season one uh what was it episode five with the uh the judo girl yep oh yeah and that 
but then you go into season three uh, closer to the end and then you have that intense uh, motorcycle chase on the interstate. It's like, yep. how, how do you cover all these genres with one show? And, and I have to say, Noho Hank is probably one of my favorite TV characters. No, <laughs> it's sad because it's only four seasons uh, for a show, but he, he stands out so much for me and, and the growth of that character through, throughout each season. It's just... It makes it more enjoyable every episode. And this week they had, um, it was Guillermo del Toro was like a broker for assassins oh, for no. trying to kill another character in the show. And the assassins are also podcasters and the guys <laughs> knew who these podcasters were. <laughs> and Guillermo del Toro was like, yeah, they, but they can still do the hit because they record on Thursdays. <laughs> it's so dumb but it's so it's just brilliant at the same time that it just i i love the show so much so i if you're not watching barry and you're listening or anyone else just, I, I recommend it it's it's a great show don where can we follow you oh um uh you know not a whole lot of places where you'd probably be interested i, I think right now um the best place would just be at twitter Okay. Um, where I'm still, I think last time, <laughs> last time was kind of an election season. I would mention that I would did a lot of tweeting about politics. I still do a lot of that. <laughs> season, so you're very, you're like less likely to follow me, but, um, I'm at, I'm at Don underscore C underscore Jordan. So Got it. At, at Twitter, um, you'll see me post some stuff about, uh, you know, politics or, and, or cocaine bear. <laughs> i'm interested in both there you go <laughs> brandon what say you um well don't let this detract you at all but you could find me on twitter and instagram at the champ loves you the letter u at the end uh i don't post on either of them but i always follow or retweet or share um and then also you could always find me commenting or venting out some frustration on the uh, uh, movie and talk uh, group page on Facebook, especially during tournament season. Um, I, I try to be as kind as I can. And if I can, I don't comment. So <laughs> fair yeah. enough. I've become curmudgeonly on that and I'm trying to stop. I'm <laughs> trying to bring Don, we're, Don, we're old. I, I mean, right. there's just, there's just no way around it. Uh. Cut my ways. Okay, and I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterbox. Same handle at DDEM2000. We have an Instagram and Twitter for this show. It's at Was It That Bad Pod. Just give us a follow there. That's where we'll post our polls, show updates, etc. And if you want to talk to the three of us about this movie or any other movie or show, you can join the movie and television talk Facebook group. Just type that into a group search. We are the red cover photo. Next, our next episode, we are going to be talking about Uncut Gems. So I'm excited Ooh. to check that one out. I haven't seen it since the theaters a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm excited to revisit that. Either of you guys see that one? Oh, I know I did. Uh, that's probably when I started going back into the A24 catalog. Um, now, is that streaming on Showtime with the rest of the A24 it films? Is, yes, it is on Showtime. Yep. Okay. I, I have to watch it. I, I guests <laughs> like before we <laughs> recorded that's how i know 
I, I strangely have not seen that movie, but I really like the other their the other Safety brothers movie the, with Robert good times. It's been good time. Oh yeah, I love it. So yeah. I, I should see that movie, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Okay, I recommend. It's okay. it's, are, it's enjoyable. Are they ever going to make that four hour sequel that they were talking about? I think it's in. Well, I don't. I know the Safties are doing a movie with Sandler. I don't know if it's a sequel to Uncut Gems. Well, you know, can't give spoilers, but I I don't know if there would be a sequel to uncut gems with the way that yeah um but they're they're doing another project and i'm in for it guys thanks so much for talking to me tonight joining me this was a a great time oh thank you thanks again dave of course and thank you everybody for listening have a good night everyone